0: Hi, Thanks for joining us online We're glad that you've chosen to access this message It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church To touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world If you have a story to share or a prayer request We would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca To support our ministry you can donate online By clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. We are moving into, our, moving into a brand new, brand new series this week, if, you've, if you're joining us, called The Road to Redemption and figuring out how we can go on a journey towards finding out who Jesus is. But before we get there, question for you, who has personalized stuff in their, in their house? Who has pers- like you have a mug with your name on it or a pen? What do you have? Uh, what do you, what, what do you have? Atlanta, what do you, what do you, what do you have with your name on it? A mug with your name on it. I called it. Audrey, what do you have? My i Aquarius. You're Aquarius. There you go. Person- Who else has something personalized? Cool. Cool. What do you have? leave tickets with you lying to me okay so we have, we have we have stuff with our we have stuff that is personalized for us and maybe and maybe it's not just like your name that's on it who has customized hockey skates like you had molded hockey skates i know some people have colin you must have had okay anybody else had custom no nobody else. what about options on your car when you went to buy a car you selected certain options anybody do that we we like personalizing things, right? Well, I, I read this study, a recent study on a thousand online shoppers. They found that customers who were able to customize items that they that they were able that they were scrolling through, they were they were sixty seven percent more often to go back and shop there than they were if they weren't able to customize those options. And when they were doing online shopping, they spent 15% more time on websites that allowed them to change colors or put names on it or customize something in a certain way. They spent 15% more time on that website than if they didn't have those options. They were 22% more likely to purchase the item and they, spent, uh, and they spent 28% more uh, money than on non-customizable sites. So I was, I was wondering, what does this say about us as a society? That we, we have customized cars, mugs, pens, signs, hockey skates. We want to personalize the things that we purchase. What does it say? Well, it probably says we're a little bit privileged. We like having things that just fit us. And we don't want the generic stuff. We want stuff that is just for us. It probably says that we've evolved a little bit, that we are discovering that when we create things that are just generalized, it doesn't necessarily fit everybody. We all have different needs, shapes, sizes, desires, so we've probably evolved a little bit. I was, as I was doing the research for this, I, I, I came across a study that was released by the BC Center for Excellence in HIV-AIDS, and it was, it was amazing. They said they were the first center in the world that was now customizing treatment for hiv based on studies that were being shared all over the world they had this sharing app and they were saying that their health treatment was now being customized for every individual patient it wasn't just a line of drugs it wasn't just a size a a style of treatment it was individualized customization for their treatment there are benefacts there are definitely benefits and drawbacks to customization would you do any kind of personal customization in your own world, let's say for your family? If you could customize your family, right? Now, just don't look. Just eyes right on me, okay? Like, don't look around. But if you could customize your family, would you do any kind of customization? I was thinking about this, and... If I was customizing my family, neither of them are in the room. Good, okay. So I would customize some choices. I would definitely set up my daughter with 10 to 15% less whining. When I was selecting at at checkout, I would go, yeah, I'll take 15% off of winding. That would be wonderful. I wouldn't have that. If I could put her into a high-efficiency model, I would 100% do that. I would get the same output, but she would require like 8% less fueling. That would be fantastic. If I get all that output, 8% less fuel, and it might cut down on the exhaust, if you know what I mean. No, didn't, never. <laughs> what about noise reduction on your spouse? Like, if you could virtually reduce all the noise from the snoring that your spouse makes, would you take the noise reduction? Okay, now you can look at. Her- yeah, some of you would. Terence, I see it. Where's Shirley? Sure- Shirley, are you- oh, Shirley's not here. Okay, that's why you're putting your noise the hand up for that. Shirley, if you're listening online later, he put his hand up. Hundred percent. I'm telling you. <laughs> Would anyone select the fat-free option when it came to how they lived their life? Would you customize yourself fat-free? Yeah, we, all, we would all do that. Right? Like, you could eat whatever, but you would be, a, yeah, we would do that, right? We would, we would take that kind of customization. <laughs> Personalizing and customizing, it's a reality for our world, and it's a good thing in many ways, but the thing is, is that it's not our right to have everything in our society and everything in our world customized because it's not available to people across the board in every place that you live and in every situation. Some of us are limited by what we can afford. We could say, I would customize my car, and I would put all these options on, but I really just can't afford that. Or obviously, when we're talking about different products or if we're talking about people, we can't customize our families that way. But often, I will find that people in our society feel like it's something that we deserve or something that we have to fight for, if I can't make this specific to me, if it doesn't fit me as an individual, if it's just kind of generalized, then I'm not, I'm not really happy about it because I deserve that or I, I should get that level of customization. So we're sitting in church this morning and we're talking about faith and we've got people, some of you have been in church for 30, 40, 50 years. Some of you have, this is your first time into a church and we're, we're all wondering, can we customize Faith And and actually, church and faith has something that historically has been criticized for its inability to customize to the world around it, which is is a fair criticism of church because we, we have traditions and some things that we just like to do and some things we do that we've been doing for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years just because we've always done it that way. We have all kinds of conversations and battles in church about what kind of songs we sing, and some people, some people are frustrated with Arthur. Why can't you just keep the lights still? I'm getting a headache because all these lights are moving. And some people are saying, "Why do we have all this light on in the room? It's way too light in here. There should only be there should be more smoke and and just a fewer lights on stage." And we have these conversations and battles going on. And actually, a couple of weeks ago, when we were still in our Nehemiah series. I had a conversation with a gentleman after the service and he mentioned that I was, I was reading the scripture and if you were there, I, I, I said the date, October the 8th. And October the 8th, Nehemiah gathered everyone together. I don't know if you remember that, it was two weeks ago. And he said, well, in my Bible, it doesn't say October. And in fact, in most translations, it wouldn't say October. And he's correct because the Jewish calendar can have up to 13 months, can have 12 or 13 months. And there's a month called adar and adar has one or two there's there's adar one or adar two depending on if you're in a leap year or depending on the cycles of of uh the moon and and they did a leap year every three years and if this was a year that that adar two was present then you would have 13 months and if it was a year that only adar one was there then you would have different amounts of months in in their calendar year so in many translations you would have opened up your bible to nehemiah and it would have said on the first day of the seventh month and I was reading out of the New Living Translation and it said on October the 8th they got together. And that which, which actually would have been the month of uh, Nisan if it was the first day of the seventh month but it, or if it was a leap year, it would have been the eighth day of Adar 2. Now, I say all that to say I found it much easier to read a translation that said October the 8th because I figure anyone that stepped into the room could say, I know when October the 8th is. And if you hear the first... The, the first day of the seventh month, you may not have known when that, when that was. This morning, we're not here to debate which is better. Do we take a historical translation or do we customize it for our world? Because both have value. There is value in honoring the traditions of the past and things that we can trace right back to the day that that, that, that Jesus established the New Testament church and the disciples got together. There are things that we should not rock and, and there is value in, in, in making sure we honor those traditions. There was also value in saying, how do we customize things for our world? And the Apostle Paul taught us that. When he was, when he was at the Areopagus, and if, you don't, if, if, you're, if you're familiar with the Bible, you would know that's when he was teaching to, a, a, to some Greek people, and they were saying, we believe in all these gods. And he began to teach the Bible based on what he would see in the Greek gods. So there's value in both. But the question we really want to deal with this morning is this, does the story of Jesus that is presented to you by the Christian church, fit your life? The story that the Christian church offers you, does it fit your life with you today in 2019, April the, whatever we are, April the 14th, does it fit you? Or do you need to customize the gospel message, the message that you will hear during this Easter season? Is is there some changes in customizing that you need to do to make it fit with you? and we're in a two week three week two week three message series it'll be this morning as well then we'll be picked up good friday at the streetsville campus and we'll conclude it next sunday here easter sunday looking at the road to redemption the road to jesus am i able to go down this journey and go on this road finding how i fit in the story of jesus so we're going to be studying out of the gospels and uh, i'm going to get you to open your bibles and uh, we're going to have one of, our, one of our church members this morning come on up and read the scripture for us, and we're going to be in Matthew 21, 1 to 11, and we're going to be reading out of uh, the NIV translation, I believe, just in case you're wondering which one, which one that is. So Matthew 21, 1 to 11, and here's your... Here's your
1: Um, in my Bible and hopefully you'll have your Bibles open follow along uh, the title is Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King chapter 21 Matthew as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives Jesus sent two disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her untie them and bring them to me The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet, from Nazareth in Galilee.
0: Thanks, Dave. So if you're new to the Bible, here's the context. The Jewish people believed that God had big things in store for them. They they had once been a nation that had been one of the great world powers, and then they had been reduced to slaves as their city and as their capital city and their nation had been taken over. But at this point in history, they had their country back. And Jerusalem is located where, it was located where it is today, and it, was, and it was a strong city at the time, and it was, it was thriving, but they weren't self-governing. They were governed by Rome, and Rome had empire city-states, and they weren't, they weren't part of Italy yet, Rome was a bunch of city-states that were all over the world, they had this empire. But the Jews had a deep-rooted belief that there was a God who loved them and wanted them to thrive. And they believed that this God would move leaders and move powers and world systems and anything he needed to do so that his plan would be enacted and that a Messiah, an anointed one, would come as king and this anointed king would come and take down whatever he needed to take down. So even if it meant kicking out Rome, the great, powerful, one of the, most, one of the strongest empires that's ever existed on, on the earth in our history, they believed that Messiah would come. And they had this, they had this belief that, that God could do things and, and, and take into control things that we normally wouldn't think would come into control. We sit here in church today, and many of us have different understandings of what we would say, does God have the ability to come and take control? Could, dog, could, could God come and take out world powers, and could God come and change world systems? Is, is there a God, and is he active in our world and in our lives? Even the scientific community has, has recently been wrestling with this and coming to understandings that, that as they've studied DNA and as, we've been, as they've gone through the Human Genome Project and have they've been, really been seeing what DNA looks like, they've come to the conclusion that, that intelligent design is not only likely, it's actually scientifically provable, and it makes a lot more sense than the theories of natural selection and that DNA has sequence specificity. And here's what, here's what Bill Gates said about it. DNA is like a computer program, but far more advanced than any software that's ever been created. Even evolutionist Richard Dawkins said, the machine-like code of the genes is uncannily computer-like. Seeing that it, it, it couldn't have happened by accident, there must be some form of intelligence behind this design. And even individuals who set out trying to disprove a god have questions about is there a God, and how active is he in my life? And that's our first thought for this morning, if you're taking notes, whether in your app or whether by pen and paper, is that every heart has a longing for hope. Every one of us, whether it's an ancient Jewish society, whether you're a scientist studying human DNA, or whether you're just someone sitting in here waiting for a barbecue in the rain after the service, you have something in your heart that longs to have hope fulfilled, hope restored, that there must be something beyond this world. Humanity has a sense that there is a God and he has some measure of control. In fact, 84% of the world's population identify with some kind of major religion. That's 5.8 billion people on Earth say God is active, God is alive. We have different understandings of how he's active and how he's alive, but we all have this longing to connect with God. And that's what's happening in the story that Dave just read. There, there were crowds of people gathered together that day in the capital city, Jerusalem, wondering, does Jesus represent hope for our hearts and hope for our lives? 500 years previous to, to the story taking place, there was a prophet called Zechariah, and he had, he had made this statement and which was being quoted in the scripture that Dave just read. And they said, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, actually the foal of a donkey. And so the people watched as Jesus enters into this great city and there were whispers that were being shared about the crowd and they began to come louder. Because it was only months ago that there was a rumor that there was a man named Lazarus and he just lived a few kilometers outside of Jerusalem, and there was rumors that he died, and four days later Jesus showed up at lazarus's tomb, and then he came back to life. And Lazarus probably would have been there that day. So people would have said, Were you actually dead, bro? And they would go, Yeah, yeah, I was dead. I, I totally was gone for four days, and then and then all of a sudden he just came back. So there were there were there were stories about was that story true? And, and did Jesus actually raise him back from the dead? This is, it was literally probably three months before Jesus comes into Jerusalem, that Lazarus had died and come back to life. But there was in that crowd a mix of faith and doubt. They knew that Jesus was a guy from the northern part of the country, which was actually not a very well-respected part of the country. People would have known who Jesus' family was. So it didn't make sense that this guy, whom we know who his family was, how could, how could he be God, even though he was doing godlike things? He brought somebody back to life, But he's just the son of a carpenter from up in the north. He was fulfilling prophecies, but he seemed to be just regular and everyday. They wanted to have their hope fulfilled, but they still had a measure of doubt. There are people here this morning, and you're wrestling with the exact same kind of thing. You're like, I'm in a church, which is meeting in a school, and we're singing some songs, and we're gonna have like a party afterwards, and, and it just all seems very normal and natural, but there's this feeling in my heart, this longing for, for a hope to know who God is and a hope to know what the purpose of life is and the meaning of life is, but, but how can the answer for humanity be founded from a guy who was born in Israel who claims to be not born of this earth, but we know who his mom was and his dad was, You want to believe that there's more to life, but how can we be even sure that even if there is a God, how can we be sure that Christianity gets it right? Because out of those 5.8 billion people that I was talking about, only 33% of them are some some form of followers of Jesus. So even though 85% of the world is religious and believes in God, only 33% says that Jesus would be the answer. Does that mean that 3.5 billion people are desiring hope, but they ended up in the wrong place? Or is it, or is it just that there might there's many paths but they all lead to the same god the logical conclusion if you're wrestling with faith and doubt just like the people in israel were that day is that maybe we can customize things and let's just find the way to faith that fits us best I grew up in this country so I'm gonna worship this way and this is what fits me best. Or I like a little bit of what you say but I don't 100% agree with that so I'm gonna mix in a little bit of what this person says and that's the way that I connect with God. It fits me, it fits my preferences, I feel good about it and then that's the best way for me. It's like having a mug on my desk that says Alana and Jesus. (laughs) We've customized our faith which is our second thought this morning is that we tend to manipulate hope to fit our perspective even though every heart has a longing for one true hope we manipulate hope so it fits our perspective we, we have an understanding of how we want God to work or how we think he should show up in this world and in our lives God is supposed to be good so I should never have any sickness or any have any struggle some people would say that God is supposed to be spoken about in churches or mosques or temples, but let's not bring him into our work society. God is in there. Let's not mix him somewhere else. God is a concept, but he's not a tangible thing. He's not a person like Jesus who was walking around earth. That, That just doesn't make sense. And from what I see in the scriptures, God is actually so much more easily understood than we would like to believe, but we miss him when he shows up. We miss God showing up in our world and in our lives because we have a personal bias. And this is what happened in the story that day in Israel. Matthew 21 and 9, if you still have your Bibles open. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna in the highest heaven, which which is giving praise to God, were shouting to God. They were laying down palm branches, and they saw this, in their minds, they saw this great king who was coming in on on a big stallion. But the reality was, was that he was riding a colt. Now, I want to show you the difference between a stallion and a colt, if you're not, if, if, if you're not a farm person. <laughs> that's a stallion. That's a colt. The, the bottom one. Here, I want to walk over there because I know it'll cause Mike problem. But the, one, the, the tall guy, the tall, big, massive horse, you, you get this, right? And if you were a conquering king who was bringing in, like, like shouts and, and, and a- accolades and praises, you would have come in on that stallion going, Hey, look at me. Jesus was riding on the foal of a colt. That little thing. You just, pop, 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 right? Like this is, isn't this the image you get like with a giant sombrero on and any Mexicans here this morning? You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> Stallion or a colt? And there's, there's actually all kinds of symbolism going on there. We'll just leave that up so you can just, you can just pick picture these but but once a year the high priest of israel would bring in an unblemished lamb so a lamb that was that had it was just a baby lamb it had no scars on it no markings on it and they would sacrifice this lamb's life this perfect lamb for the sin of all of israel over the over the past calendar year and they would bring the lamb into the eastern gate of jerusalem and the name of that gate was actually named mercy and to protect its hooves so it would never be damaged, as they brought the lamb in, there would be palm branches laid down just in case the lamb hit the ground. It would, it would go on palm branches and it wouldn't have markings on its hooves. And, and as the priests brought them in, then they would have this soft place to walk in. And there's all this symbolism going in because Jesus on this day, you know what gate he rides in on, coincidentally? The eastern gate, the gate called Mercy. And he's on a pure animal, the foal of a colt, which would never partner with any other animal because donkeys are, donkeys are sterile. And it would never partner with any other animal. And it was, he was coming in in preparation for what we believe at the Christian church as a sacrifice for our sin who would be called the Lamb of God. You've got, you've got all of this imagery going on. And the palm branches that typically were, that they were waving—that was what often would be waved when a conquering king came back. And the people were seeing: maybe Jesus is this hope. Maybe Jesus is Messiah, and he's he's the king. He's the one that we're going to put all of our hope in. And you know what? I believe on that day they literally saw the stallion. They literally saw Jesus on the stallion, not on this colt. Maybe not literally, but in their minds. You know what I mean? Like you see one thing, but the other thing's actually happening. They wanted Jesus to be the conquering king so badly that they're waving branches and like, he's coming in! And he's just popping along on a dog. <laughs> It's crazy what's going on and, and he's, he's trying to do everything he can to have them see him the right way. But they saw what they wanted to see. Some of us are in church here this morning and you see what you want to see about church and who God is. Instead of seeing the plain truth of who God is in front of you. We believe that God is distant, but he's actually present. You've just missed him because you're looking for somebody on a stallion. I'm the king, and he doesn't come that way. He comes bopping along on the donkey. We, We see a God who forgets about our situation, but he's actually so present that he said, you're still going to journey through difficult situations in your life, but I'm going to go with you. I'm not distant. I'm in the middle of it with you. And perception is so vitally important. I think, I think we know this. We have the ability to see anything we want in any situation, and sometimes we get it so messed up because we're expecting one thing, but the reality is a total other thing. I want you to watch this fun little video, and if you're a cat lover... I am sorry, (laughs) but (laughs) perception can turn into your reality. I hope that nobody truly believes that their partner is a cat murderer. Like I, but I think she has having thoughts on this day that maybe my partner really hates my cat. But and so I won't. Anyway. <laughs> In a police investigation, do you, know, do you know what the least reliable source of, of evidence is? I think we talked about this. Eyewitness accounts. I would, p- police will look into motive. They will look into opportunity. They will take physical evidence, and they will ask for eyewitness accounts. But it is the least reliable source of getting information for a whole host of reasons. Every one of us brings a bias to a, si- to a situation. We have people. We have. We have an image in our mind of who we think committed the crime, and we will notice. That More than we will notice other things. Perspective is important. Where you were standing at the time that the offense was committed will give you a total different understanding of what happened. What you focused on, what details stood out to you as important, might not be the same details that stood out to somebody else, and you'll totally ignore other realities. In fact, we, I, think we, I think we've talked about this before too, but you will have six to 8,000 thoughts every day, and, and over 40% of them are not true or not helpful. Not true thoughts, not helpful thoughts, but it's the ones that you focus on that become your reality, which is why two people can be in the same place and experience two totally different things. And there are people here this morning who are convinced that they've connected with the God of heaven, the creator of the universe here. They had a moment in worship where they said, I heard the voice of God, I felt his spirit with me. And then there are people who are going, Seriously, we have been here for an hour, and I've not eaten any barbecue or cupcakes yet. <laughs> You've experienced two totally different things because of the perception and the reality which you bring to the situation. has nothing to do with, with what's gone on here today. It's because of your understanding and who you are. And the question many people ask is this: How does the story of Jesus relate to me? You will ask this question. I mean, it's Easter. I'm supposed to go to church. I got invited how does the story of Jesus relate to me? You're asking the wrong question. The question you should be asking is this. How do I fit into the story of Jesus? You're saying, can Jesus change so he fits my world and my perspective? Instead of going, is it possible that I fit into Jesus' story and I've just never asked that question? I've just never really taken the time to think, maybe there's reality there that I've never seen. Maybe there's a pres- a perspective. Maybe there's a way that God is trying to come into my life that I've never understood because I've never asked that question. I've only asked, how does Jesus change and come into my story? And I hope that this morning as we go, th- as we've gone through this service, that you find that you do fit into the story of Jesus. That you don't have to make him fit you. You will understand how you fit in with him. And you will see that he offers the hope that every heart in this world longs for and there's no need to customize and easter is the season of his where we remember his life his death his resurrection and it's based on this premise alone god loves people and he never wants to bring hurt or separation into our worlds but because of our desire for control and because of his because he would give us free will we separated ourselves from god and we regularly from the beginning of time till today bring hurt into our lives and into the lives of other people in our society some of it's intentional some of it's unintentional some of it's systemic hurt that we've created our lifestyle we've damaged our environments we've damaged our our health systemically year over year but we have brought hurt and separation and brokenness into our society and god said i'm not going to force it it's now your choice to say i will fit into your story god And so, but God didn't want to leave us there. Something had to make up for the gap between a perfect God and imperfect people. And Jesus said, I'll do it. And in fact, I'll make it easy for people. All they will need to do is is put their hope in me more than they trust themselves. Which is our last point this morning. That the expression of true hope may surprise you. And I'm going to ask our team to come back this morning. That the expression of true hope may surprise you. And here's the amazing message of Easter is that we can discover God in ways that we may never have imagined him. We, maybe we've heard that there's a list of rules that we need to follow or God will get upset. But Jesus is the expression of hope that none of us actually will ever measure up. So stop worrying about does my life measure up and fit into God's expectations. Jesus says just trust that I was God's son and follow me and then your life will measure up you might have heard that there's a wrong way to worship and there's a right way to pray and there's all these things and the story of easter actually jesus looks as he's on the cross being killed for something he never did he looks to a criminal who's beside him who is being executed for something he did do and as the criminal is arguing with another criminal and yelling and just say jesus will you remember me he goes yep that's enough that's the right way to pray as you're dying on a cross screaming at another criminal because his perspective was, I'll just trust that Jesus is enough. And it doesn't matter the songs we sing, the way we pray, the times we meet. That's inconsequential. All you need to do is put your trust in Jesus. In our text today, this was what the people were battling with. Matthew 21, 10, and 11. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is, who is this? And they battled because isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And, uh, but our purpose this morning is to go, I want to challenge your understanding. I want to challenge your perspective on who Jesus is. You walked in here with who you thought he was. How you thought he functions and how you want, he thought you wanted, he wanted you to function. And what church is all about. You may have even been convinced that God is real, but you actually just don't fit into church. The people of this day were so sure of themselves that they knew that God would come like a war hero. He would completely destroy every leader. That, that Messiah would be somebody that would tear down Rome and tear down leaders. People everywhere would see it and they would get it and they would, everyone would just be forced into following God because it would just make total sense. But that's not Jesus. Jesus. Jesus comes to each of us in spite of the poor perceptions that we have. He comes and and he fights battles for us that we would never expect that he would fight. But he is a lamb riding on a donkey, offering people who would be brave enough to trust that God would come gently, God would come when we didn't expect him and how we didn't expect him, that that is God. He offers you hope and for all of us here this morning, whether you're a regular church attender or you're just checking this whole church thing out, you may have already decided how God works and how church works, and we're offering you the chance to consider that God might want to come into your lives in a brand new way and in in a different way. This morning, Jesus offers you an invitation of grace. He is clothed in humility for a relationship of love. Would you consider this Jesus as our band leads us? Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.